This is Marketing Trends, your number one source for exclusive interviews with chief marketing officers and executive marketing leaders in the Fortune 1000 and beyond. This is Jeremy Bergeron, and I interview, collaborate, and partner with world-class CMOs and marketing leaders across industries. Your content is at the heart of what you do. It connects your company to others, teaches them, guides them, and inspires them. But creating, managing, and editing content at scale is often very chaotic and difficult. Empower your content teams with Brightspot Content Management System, made specifically for marketers and corporate communications leaders. No more waiting for a developer to have to piece things together. Put the power to create and deliver powerful yet complex digital experiences into the hands of your marketers with a comprehensive suite of ready-to-use tools and functionality. Bring a bright spot to your tech stack, your customers, your team, with the Brightspot content management system. Visit brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to learn more. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Marketing Trends. This is your host, Jeremy Bergeron. We're back in the studio. We're back with another legend. I'm super excited to talk with John Kaufman. Now, before you go Googling this guy, because I know you're all going to do this, let me tell you about him. And I I was going to do my own intro, but because I saw Forbes did a really good intro, I'm just going to read the intro Forbes created because it's awesome. So John is the Senior Vice President and CMO, Chief Marketing Officer at Sage. Dental. John actively guides the mission and vision of the rapidly growing dental support organization, better known as DSO. We'll talk about that. And this this man has lots of experience. Over the past 15 years, he's worked in a variety of industries, always with an emphasis on adopting cutting-edge technology to bring the best solutions to his company's target market. This part's really interesting, too. At Sage Dental, he has fostered AI integration across the patient care journey at each practice and they got a bunch of practices. So John, welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm super stoked to have you, man. How you doing? Thanks. Thanks for having me. I think uh, starting with legend, uh, I guess, uh, (laughs) I don't don't know if I characterize the uh, role of a CMO at a dental company as legend, but hey, man, we'll go with it. Hey, we got to go with it, man. And look, your experience is diverse, which tells me, you know, a lot about your potentially your perspective as a marketing leader. Um, I find marketing leaders that have done different things and been in different leadership roles and worked in different industries, they just bring a different spin to marketing. And I especially liked your 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 perspective on like cutting edge technology. I mean, look, yeah. we're in a world now where that's a big, big topic. Yeah, So, for sure. So for, for the folks who don't know about Sage Dental, describe Sage Dental and then describe your role as SVP and CMO there. Yeah, so Sage Dental is a DSO or dental support organization. You could call it a dental service organization. What we essentially do is um, we own, operate, and manage dental practices for Sage. It's across Florida and Georgia. We've got about 100 dental practices now. We've grown uh, that by about 40 in the last two years, really coming off COVID. Look to be probably around 120, 130 by the end of the year. Kind of puts us in a the middle category of size from a DSO perspective. Our goal is to take all the back office roles, responsibility, hiring, um, payroll, RCM, which is kind of like uh, managing insurance providers, 
off of the dental provider so that they can provide ultimate care for the patient that's sitting in front of them. And that's really what we strive to do. And we've got a team of um, really experienced folks from our senior leadership team. We've uh, all of us have been together for several of these uh, companies. Ah, so we've, cool. we've kind of all come together. And, um, you know, my role, I kind of see it as threefold. So probably the least amount of work that I do is pure marketing as it would relate to kind of new patient acquisition, um, retention. I do a lot of work in analytics and building technologies and systems and automations. And I like to think that I have a pretty good uh, pulse on strategy and and um, some of the fun and strategic direction or strategic initiative type activities that we do here at Sage. Awesome. So is it is it like roll ups where you're buying practices? Or are you are you actually starting ground up practices? Yeah. So we have kind of a, a threefold model. Um, okay. The first is you know when we we took over the group about five years ago, and we have you know wonderful financial sponsors. Um, that support that. And that started as kind of the first is organic, right? We've got this platform. We got to come in and do the things that we do to make it as efficient as possible, to bring in the best technologies, really to offer an incredible experience to the patients, right? Then the second phase of that, I guess, is what I would call the acquisition planting a flag. So let's say we're going to go somewhere, a new market, whatever it might be. We'll look for several acquisitions, what you would have called a roll up to really situate ourselves in that market. And then we'll build in the dental uh, industry, we call them de novos, they're new practices. So we'll build our own in the uh, kind of around that planted flag. And that's kind of the model that we, um, we engage with. We do about 50% acquisition, about 50% of our own new builds. And that's really how we put together our growth plan. Awesome. Okay. So is the plan just to keep, you know, you have a ton in Florida, you got Georgia. I also saw, I think one in Africa. Is that, is that? That's not us. No, we okay. are, we okay. are a little bit far away from Africa. So right now okay. we're, we're the largest DSO in South Florida. Okay. Um, we've expanded uh, West into Tampa, Sarasota. Um, we're, we have a very large presence in Orlando. We're looking okay. at the Jacksonville area. And then in Georgia, we're in kind of Atlanta proper, and then um, kind of expanding out the circle from, from Atlanta. And then we'll shortly be looking at several other states. Uh, yes. You can expect us in Tennessee, South Carolina, Alabama, um, some, some fun areas. We, we do real well in the, uh, the Southeast. How about Texas? You coming to Texas? I'm from Texas. So, um, oh, come on. when our last uh, DSO was headquartered in Texas, so, you know, we, okay. we love Texas. Texas is very saturated from a dental market, from a DSO uh, market. And you, yeah. you probably experienced that. There's a lot of great players out there. So, okay. you know, we may get into Texas. Um, but I think that's a little, little ways away, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're on a path to growth. I mean, we have a, what we call the Sage Dental 400 plan, right? Which is a okay. uh, five to seven year growth plan to achieve 400 locations. And, um, love you know, we, we love to bring our style of dentistry uh, to patients. Patients seem to really enjoy it. I mean, as far as you can enjoy dental, right? <laughs> right, right, right. And so uh, that's, uh, that's kind of the plan. Okay, I love it, I love it. Is, is, there, a, is there a long distance goal to... IPO this business? Is it, is it just keep, you know, keep this thing big and keep it in house or where are we headed? Yeah. I mean, so we have a, a wonderful financial sponsor that um, that's big in the healthcare industry. I, I, you know, if you go back 10, 15 years, you know, DSOs were publicly traded and, and there's uh -huh. a few out there, some in Canada 
Um, it's just, that's just not our model. Um, you know, we, we want to keep it private and, and be able to control kind of what we're doing, control our relationships, control the patients, control kind of everything that goes into, to the unique model that Sage is. And it really is a unique model. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So you've mentioned uh, before that, you know, when, when, when you started in dental, it was all about branding and positioning, but that things have really evolved since then. And so I'm just curious, like in what ways has that evolution played out? So dental's weird, right? I mean, I think nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, gosh, I just can't wait to <laughs> go to the dentist. Right. And <laughs> okay. so I, I, when I came into dental, so I'm a tech nerd, like that's, I, I was doing nerdy tech things when I was 12 years old. Right. And I just always did nerdy tech things. So I always kind of approached, but, but I also was creative, which was fun, but I kind of always approached stuff from a, from a kind of what does stuff look like? And then how can I bring tech into it? So when I first started in dental and probably a lot of your listeners can uh, agree with this, you can go into your mailbox at your house and you can pull out every day, probably three dental ads on postcards, and they all look exactly the same. And so I, I came in and saw that and I saw what, you know, when I started what we were doing and the most obvious thing was we just need to change the look and feel. I mean, all, all we have to do is stand out in terms of what we, um, what we look like and, and how we, um, the color palettes that we use. And so it really was, branding and messaging and all of the different things that, you know, marketing 101 you would do. And we did that and we had some great success. We tried to make it fun. We created a campaign called Smile Fearlessly, right? Which was people addressing their biggest fears and people in dental have generally two fears. One is they have a general fear of the dentist. They don't want to go. And the second fear is not as much a fear, but I got other stuff to do. And unless something breaks, I don't really want to go to the dentist. So our whole play was first to, you know, evaluate what we needed to do from a brand and a messaging standpoint, but then, you know, figure out all the analytics behind why people actually are going to the dentist, who's going to the dentist, right? What are abandonment rates we're going to be in terms of churn for people that we're going to, you know, uh, what we call dental loyalists, right? How are we going to get them back? So it went from, all right, we're going to send out some standard looking postcards and do some standard looking TV of, you know, a guy with his mouth open getting, you know, a mirror and a pick in his mouth to how can we evolve this? And so we started, um, we started with the creative and the messaging, and then we started to expand that into social and search. And I would say very 101 type activities, but it was very successful for us. Wow. So still, still doing postcards today. Postcards are still part of the strategy. Yeah. It kind of kills me because I'm a digital tech guy. Right. But yeah. postcards are um, very effective, but they have to be done right. Right. So we brought the same fun and analytics to it to see what would actually work. So we tested a bunch of different formats. Right. So instead of that five by seven or six by nine postcard, we did something much bigger, like a nine by 11, but we put a scratch off in it, right? Like you do wow. a scratcher's lottery yep. ticket yep. and said yep. scratch to win a free sonic toothbrush. We looked at uh, different, you know, plastic formats and coupon type. And then there's a book, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. in terms of behavioral economics. And we started to use some of those behavioral economics to choose 
both comparative promotions. We looked at comparing it to neighbors and different things. Anyway, you can read the book. It's, you know, this thick, but it's a lot of fun if you're a marketing nerd and, or if you're an economist. And we started to implement some of those activities in, in what we were doing. And yeah, we do postcards, but we've got incredible analytics on them. We know um, what our response rates are. We know what the ROI for those activities are. And, you know, you can evolve those postcards to a lot of different things, right? You can plug that postcard in and two weeks before and two weeks after you can run IP targeting, right? So you can run display targeting so that when that postcard hits for two weeks before that potential customer is looking at, you know, when they go to CNN or Fox News or CNBC, they're looking at a Sage ad right? Or, and after that postcard comes, they're looking at a Sage ad, or they're looking at, you know, a Gmail, um, a Gmail ad that's coming up because we've, Mm. we've mixed in the digital to the postcard arena. Is there a marketing strategy that you're using today that like you never would have considered you when you first got started with Sage or just curious? I never, ever considered direct mail. I'll just be honest. I mean, the, the amount of success that direct mail done right when integrated with digital aspects, what that does for us, it's really, really powerful. So, I mean, truly when I came and somebody said, you know, we spend 30% of our budget on direct mail, I almost fell over in my chair. I, I immediately thought, well, let's get rid of that immediately. And then, you know, we did that and it's, it's worked really well. And social is not, so social is something that I pushed back on a lot in dental simply because I, I saw the social aspect more of a referral reputation tool. But, you know, there are, if you go to TikTok, there are a lot of famous dentists out there that are putting out some pretty cool TikTok videos. Never thought I would say the word TikTok or anything like that, but I've got a really good team that pushes us to um, do some fun stuff. So I think social media for dental was a surprise for me. You know, there's nothing rocket sciencey we're doing. You know, we're not doing anything crazy out of the box in terms of communication or the advertising. It's really all the stuff behind it and how we integrate those things that that makes it really successful. So you're coming, I think you're coming up on like is it five years? Yeah, five, five years. years in the role. Yeah, five yeah. years. So you have you have marketing experience prior to this and but this is, is this the first DSO experience for no, you? No, this is the second. So I was, with a, second. I was with a 160 practice group prior to this Okay. Um, okay. with the same team that we have here today. And, and we brought that, that team over led by our CEO, Tom Marler and our chief clinical officer, Cindy Rourke. So yeah, okay. we've got a, cool. we've got a heck of a team. Kind of take us through a little bit of like the stages of, there's been a lot of velocity with Sage. I mean, you can look at the map. I mean, like, it seems like there's you know, the hockey stick goes this way. So just kind of taking us back to the beginning and, and like through the stages of growth in this business and how you as the marketing leader are able to, to really, I mean, I could see how this could also get out of control too, like different locations, different ideas, different things. And like, you want to keep this in the marketing purvey of what you're doing, but just what was that like coming in? You had the bath, you had the experience, you had the supportive leaders, I get that. And this is another, it's a new business, it's a new opportunity. So kind of bring us through the stages of growth and then like kind of what you're focusing on now and coming up on year five in your role, because it's probably different than what it was in year one. Yeah, I'll try and relate it as much to marketing as I can. So I think healthcare in general is probably about five to 10 years behind the forward thinking marketing curve. And, and, you know, when I say forward thinking, just pick 10 top fortune 500 brands that are really, really pushing the envelope of statistical analysis and targeting and, and how much they're spending and all of that. So 
healthcare is five, 10 years behind. Dental is like 15, 18 years behind that, right? So dental is 3% of the total healthcare marketplace. So if you've got tools, technologies, agencies, systems, 97% of all the money that they could possibly make is going to come from other healthcare. So right from the start, you've got not only kind of an antiquated, I don't want to say antiquated, but a, a older thinking model, and you've got a far more, I guess, esoteric might be the word, but old esoteric systems in place. So the first step coming in was we just got to get organized. And I think our team you know, did a very good job of that. So first step was simply just saying, what are we doing from a marketing perspective? And redoing all that, right? Creative, vendors, platforms, tracking, systems, all the above. So that was, let's say, year one and two, okay? So that was everything from setting up a proper call center to answer the the calls, setting up a proper appointment CRM type system to manage patients, setting up a proper paid search campaign, um, tagging, analytics, redoing the website. So like fundamental 101 components of, of putting all that together. So then pivot to, you know, COVID happens, right? So we did some pretty incredible things during COVID. So on Monday, uh, I'm going to make up dates because I don't really remember, but the time is right. Monday of kind of middle of March, we had a board meeting. And one board member said, well, what do you think about this whole COVID thing? And we kind of said, eh, we're not seeing much impact, should be fine. Friday, we shut down. (laughs) So we were, um, you know, we were a required service, so we didn't shut completely down. We had 20 practices basically open for emergency. So then Friday, we're saying, all right, well, how do we manage and maintain business overnight And Friday, Saturday, Sunday, by Monday, we had put in place at every single one of our practices, a remote teledentistry system that could be accessed immediately from our website. They could, they could um, FaceTime. It wasn't FaceTime. It was whatever the video platform was Um, with a doctor. They could take images of their, of their mouth. They could take images of their mouth that were also part of a dental program so that we could actually evaluate that. And then we triaged from there and said, all right, you do need to come into a practice. You don't need to come into a practice. So COVID happens and the whole dental component turns to, well, how do we, how do we serve our patients? And virtual teledentistry became our primary kind of marketing tool in terms of how we were communicating with patients, how we were acquiring new patients. And then it became a complete communication strategy around what we called Sage Safe, right? We had um, air purification systems and all of our practices, all that. So then it became a Marcom thing, right? So let's just say that was like a weird thing, right? So after that became, all right, we're getting a lot of leads now because our marketing is all set up. And now it's, well, they've only got a few points of conversion, right? Their point of conversion is the call center. Um, it could be a chat. It could be the practice. And so it all became about then how do we optimize that system? So take the next year, let's call it year and a half to optimize the type of of phone systems we had, the type of call center platform we had. We built a ton of custom feature sets to make sure that we could measure all the type of metrics that we needed, uh, needed to have. And at the same time, we were doing all sorts of new 
communications because we were launching uh, new practices and we were acquiring new practices. So part one, let's say first two years, just Marcom 101. Part two, let's say the next two years um, was really call center optimization, conversion optimization, phone system optimization, technology optimization, and all, all along the way is you know measurement and management. Right now, and for the last six months, it's been about the in-between. So you've got somebody who's interested and they try and connect with you in some way, the practice, the call center, chat, form, landing page, whatever. Well, we had focused on getting the lead, converting the lead, but there's this bucket in between of, all right, I've got a guy that was on hold and he left. I've got a guy that didn't convert. I've got somebody that tried to book an online appointment, but bailed. And so now it's about capturing that kind of middle phase of, you know, if there's, you know, we, we serve, we've kind of last three, four years, I think we've served a million patients. So you can imagine wow. how many calls and stuff that yep. is. So yep. there's thousands of people that are not converting or not interested or try and call and leave for whatever reason they get busy. And so it's, um, it's really a focus on that right now. In between all of that is CRM. And it is making sure that we are communicating the type of technologies we have. Um, we're communicating open treatment that a patient might have and the impact of not treating that open patient, bringing in new tools and technologies like AI to communicate to those patients about some of the dental issues that they have. And so that, that has kind of been sitting as a main priority throughout. So now we've kind of touched every element of the journey and feel pretty good about that. So it's, it's definitely been a focused journey. What's the CRM you're using? Just curious. Custom built. So oh, custom built. I've done it several ways, right? Okay. So okay. I have bought out of the box and uh -huh. customized it. I have built completely from scratch my own. They all have their pros and cons. I've used agency to build, uh, build some stuff. At the end of the day, dental is weird. It just is like I said, 3% of the market. So the systems and the tools that people have invested in and are marketing and selling are just not that great, to be fair. And so we have, we have an incredible CTO and CIO who have in very in-depth dental knowledge. And that allows us to build all sorts of different tools to A, communicate to a patient, but also pull in data they can then get segmented and communicate further, can integrate our AI dental tools so we can communicate with those. So there's, it's all built internally and all with a specific dental purpose. I would say that if you look at Sage, we have both a dental company and a technology company. Ah, is there anything out of the box that was kind of like a yes, like helpful along the way and still serving, serving the, the, the business in some way? Or is it all mostly custom? I don't want to say there aren't, right? There are definitely tools out there that, you know, if you're a one, two, three, ten 10 practice group and you don't have the sophistication or you don't have the, the resources to build that, um, there's a, a great tool called Dental Intelligence. There's another tool, I can't think of the name. It was, it was just purchased by Henry Schein. Um, there's other tools and technologies out there that can help along the way, right, as you're growing. But when you get to the size and scale that we are, they're just there was nothing that I felt was satisfactory that could execute what 
our vision was and integrate all the technology because it's not just marcom technology it's you know it's our dental technologies and our our uh, revenue cycle operations which is communicating with insurance providers all of those technologies into a single database and we actually have a name for it it's called insights to action it's an entire platform um that is what will you know what it really is the sage technology platform Wow. Okay. So I want to, I want to cover two, two more areas and definitely I want, I want to kind of save AI and, and, and tech yeah, kind sure. of to take us home towards the end. But I want to, I want to kind of double click into this, this leadership team. How would you describe the culture of the leadership team? You said a lot of trust. I mean, but you gave the example of, you know, COVID, you guys came together and within two, three days, it's like, here's what we're doing, plant the stake in the ground. And then it actually worked. That says a lot about the ability for you all to collaborate and trust each other and just execute, which is also a testament to why this business continues to grow. But what's the culture of the leadership? Like, how did you, I mean, is it pretty, yeah, like, are you guys getting together regularly? What's the, are you communicating all the time? Like, what's the, what's the mix of culture like amongst the squad of the leadership team? I think that's kind of the best part. It's not like we're having like seven meet. So all I can relate it to is where what I have been involved with historically, right? And what I've heard from other people, right? To get something to move forward, that is, let's call it some sort of sub- substantial initiative. It is an act of it is an act of God, right? It is. <laughs> right, right. This guy doesn't agree. He's been there for 20 years. This guy wants to run it by X. Then this guy's got a problem with it because it conflicts with his thing. You know, we um, we have traveled all over the world. We did a, we do a lot of work out of China and we do that for some of the technologies that we build um, and manufacture. So, you know, we've all gotten stuck in in dark places for for with no sleep and so there, there's a bond that comes from that. We're not all, you know, hanging out, you know, uh, it does happen to be that our CFO lives across the street from me, but that was just by accident. So we do <laughs> hang out, but here's what I think it is. I think it is a sheer force of will. There are just not really any excuses. And the trust comes from this, that I've never asked him this, and I don't know if he'll listen to this, but I feel like our CEO I can speak for me, knows that I'm going to do 10 things really fast and really aggressively. And maybe four of those things fail miserably and cost money. But the other six, albeit not perfect, make a really big impact. And so there's not, there's a freedom to fail, mm. but there's also a freedom to try a bunch of different things and small pilot um, endeavors and see if they work and see if they stick. And if they don't stick, you know, it's not like, oh, well, you, you know, you got behind this and it didn't work. So the next one, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to trust you to do that. And then our CEO's ability to navigate, you know, seven different pilots with our regional operations team while we're trying different things. And that runs the gamut, right? From whitening technologies to AI technologies, to a marketing strategy, to a pushing the envelope communication, to a promotion, to a new site that we think is really powerful. There's a lot of trust. There's a lot of freedom. And that freedom allows us to be creative. I think one of the telltale signs of our team is how creative everyone is. There's no, nobody's limited by this is how we do it, or this is how we used to do it. It's like, screw that. Like, let's just do it. This seems like a good idea. And I think it could be powerful. And um, 
yeah, the teledentistry thing was an example of that. I mean, you know, I don't know how many other companies could on Friday say, this is what we're going to do and have the freedom to go find it, buy it, implement it and launch it. You know, yeah. I mean, think about the roadblocks in a, in a larger corporation or a different structure, you know, it'd be like, well, we need to vet that and we need an RFP and we need, you know, X, Y, and Z. And not to say there's not oversight and controls. There certainly are. We're a, sure. we're a functioning business um, that needs all of that, but it's, there's a lot of freedom to just execute. I believe in you. I trust you. You've proven more often than not that you can do it successfully wow. and go to work. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I have many friends that are in the dental space, have their own practices and they were struggling, you know, during that time and they didn't know what to help. What do I do? How do I get, you know, having to shut down and not be able to serve their, their patients yeah. and losing lots of patients and some of them having to literally close their, close down their doors. Right. And many have, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, many yeah. have had to do that. And, you know, we have been very fortunate that coming out of COVID, we have been more successful than we've ever been in the history of Sage. And that's a testament to this team. Yeah, that's amazing. It's like, I love, it's like having all the, you know, having all the, the, the like you said, the, the controls and, you know, having those things in space, in the place. And it's like, it's still built on a foundation of trust. It's like, totally. and it's still built on a foundation of execution and get, and get it done. And we, we, I think it's important to say, and this is not, I don't say this lightly or people have come in and can't function in that environment and mm. that we weed that out quickly. Right. Sure. Um, yep. Not that they're bad people, not that they're not talented, probably in other things they are very talented, but it's just not our our style. Right. It's execute, execute, execute. We're not we're not putting together, you know, three months of strategic planning to go do one thing. It's okay. I'm going to go do it. OK, that's awesome. I love that. OK, let's shift into some AI. Let's shift into some of the cool things you've been testing, things that have worked, things that have not worked. I know there was an interview where you mentioned that you embrace evolution and have been able to, to pitch like completely random AI tools to your CEO and then get support to get those done. I'm now seeing why that's the case built on that trust. Yeah. But let's talk about some of the things you're, you're, you've seen working, you're excited about. Take us into the world of like testing things and AI and love to hear what's happening for you in that. All right. So. I wrote an article that just got published on Forbes that has to do with, you know, what AI can do for you today. So, and basically the thesis of that is it can do a lot of cool stuff, but it can't take over your job today. I thought I was going to, you know, have 19 AI tools that basically did my job for me. That's not, not the case. I think the first really cool thing in AI for, for us in dental is our chief clinical officer uh, has brought to the table is we now have a platform where every single one of our patients x-rays is run through an AI engine. And that AI engine is absolutely expert at identifying um, different issues within, um, within somebody's oral care. And there are things that when we first brought it on a lot, you know, the, the sentiment was, well, you know, doctors are going to think that we're taking their job over for them. And, you know, our Dr. Cindy Rourke, who's our chief clinical officer, you know, she's a, you know, Harvard educated dentist, very, very smart, but also incredibly creative and entrepreneurial. And she said, look, I can't see everything with my naked eye that this thing can see. So why wouldn't I use this to augment treatment? It's going to do a couple things. First, it's going to actually augment your ability to treat and diagnose and we had always hypothesized that it would be really good at building patient trust. We didn't realize how much, 
there's an old Reader's Digest article that says if you go to 10 different dentists, you're going to get 10 different treatment recommendations. To some degree, that makes sense because every dentist will have a different approach to, to different things and we don't want to take away their autonomy. But there are having a single source of truth that's, hey, I believe that you need X, Y, and Z. What do you do when you come to the dentist? Most people are saying, I want a free cleaning, right? I want my cleaning. I get it twice a year. Let's just do that. And then the dentist says, well, you need X, Y, and Z. And you're like, ah, I'm okay. And then you show, all right, here are your, your x-rays from the last two years. And let me show you the progression. Well, you don't know how to read an x-ray. I, I don't know how to read an x-ray and I do this for a living, right? What AI has done is it allows us to overlay with both imagery and highlights and objectivity that let me show you the progression of what's happening, right? The reason why you need a cavity or excuse me, why you have a cavity and why you need this filling or you need a crown or we can't save the tooth or you need an implant or whatever it might be. We can show them that in an objective way where the patients go, oh, wow, like I didn't realize that. And if you look at it from a revenue standpoint, you may have a patient that was like, I'd like two free cleanings who's now save, or who's now doing a $5,000 treatment plan from you. That's great, right? We're a business, we're here to make money. But it's also a patient that's saying, or that you're showing a patient, I actually needed this because if I don't, this is gonna be a really big problem. So that cavity you don't wanna fill is now a crown, is now an implant, is now a bridge, is now whatever it might evolve to. That has brought so much trust into the business. Now, let me talk about it from a marketing standpoint. That was my next question. <laughs> so I now have X, I have all the x-rays. What could I do with those x-rays before, right? Not much, but now I have an AI engine that's crawled every single one of those x-rays. And then I marry that up with our data of what treatment we've actually done. And I can pre-diagnose or or hypothesize that if they don't get X treatment done, that Y will happen. And then I can communicate to the patient that if you don't, you know, you have an open treatment for X, you need to get this done. Here's why. And here's the education around that. And I have that for every single one of our patients. Wow. And that is an incredibly powerful tool to be able to communicate and say, hey, you know, you've you've got to get this done for, you know, X, Y, Z reason. And by the way, your oral health has an incredible impact on your overall health, right? In terms of heart disease and and um, diabetes, um, even um, Alzheimer's. Right. And so there are so many connection points with what we've done from the dental AI side and how that relates to marketing. Now that's not marketing tools. That's, that's a dental tool that we have then turned into a Marcom, a Marcom organization. Wow. I love that. How do you deliver, how are you delivering that information to the, to the patients? Is that like text or? Yeah, it can be via email, uh, secure email. It could be via unsecure email. It can be a text message where the text message allows them to go into their portal and they can see exactly what they need to do. And then they can schedule right from that portal, right? So we talked about those three different places, leads, the midpoint, and then conversion. Some of that conversion is just simply making it easier on a patient, right? Where we send them a text message, you know, a lot of tools out there, we talked about why I don't use the other tools. Those tools will say, you're overdue for your hygiene appointment, call us. Mm -hmm. Ours says, you're overdue for your hygiene appointment with Dr. Smith, click here to schedule. You click there, they show you the three most relevant times for you to schedule, and that's automatically placed in our appointment book, and it's sent, then a reminder is sent to them in a calendar invite, right? That's, that's kind of the evolution of that. Mm. 
from AI tools. Our CEO lets me do it because I I basically follow, there's a LinkedIn site. I'm not sure what it is, but every day there's like 15 new tools you can, you can look at from copywriting tools to whatever. And I download every single one of them and sign up for every single one of them because there's going to be a nugget in there. One of the tools we um, we just implemented, actually cre- we're using it for internal communications. It creates an avatar of our chief clinical officer. So our chief clinical officer can't be expected to record a video for every new employee, new doctor, new hygienist, new dental assistant that joins the company, right? But this incredibly real avatar that's her voice and her look and feel can now communicate to every new uh, every new patient potentially, although we haven't done that, all of our new employees or anyone that's in the company, a message welcoming them, talking to them about what it is. And it looks like it's coming from our chief clinical officer. Wow. Learning and development. How often does, uh, and that's an AI tool, right? Um, that's actually called Synthesia. Typical learning and development software, you create content, you upload that content, and that content then gets, um, you know, has to be curated. Maybe you have three people that is, you know, building a PowerPoint or building whatever it is. How do you then, you know, you're spending tons of time recording screens. There's a tool simply that allows us to demo the entire system of what we're trying to teach. It puts that into a storyboard. Then that storyboard builds um, with the content we provide, all of the things that we're trying to create. And in about 20 minutes, you've got a fully functional L&D piece of content that is usable and is showing them exactly what, um, what needs to be used. That was just something I tried. And now our director of learning and development is using that for her L&D uh, operations. That's just a couple examples. What's that one called? Scribe. Scribe. Okay. Just S-C-R-I-B-E? Yeah. Okay, cool. So many tools, man. I've got like this list of top 100 and there's all kinds of, I mean, literally every day I'm seeing all kinds of tools coming out. So Excel formula generators, right? I'm using that. There's new AI or there's new um, tools where you simply just ask for the metric you're looking for and it puts it all together from you from your data set. I mean, it's that's it's fantastic. everywhere. And that's not including all of obviously the chat GPTs and BARD and, and all the different uh, things that we're using to write and create content, to create more video content, more rapid content. You know, I mean, I used to spend a half million dollars making a, uh, a TV commercial and I think we just did it for about five grand using, uh, using an AI tool. Okay. So we mentioned chat GPT and I am curious about how it's, how it's working for you as a CMO. Are you using the tool in your, as you're in your role as a CMO? How's your team using it? Interesting use cases. Would love to hear your experience with chat GPT. I use it all the time. I'll be honest. Um, so the way I, I think and type is doesn't always communicate the message clearly so that someone can um, receive it and understand the action items or understand the intent or the strategy. And I think what, and that's, I kind of write the way I think, which is very ADD, which I am. And so ChatGPT has allowed me to kind of construct the substance. And I, I know this seems silly, right? Writing an email, but I, I can't stress the importance of it. It allows me to construct the substance and say, make this make sense for somebody who's going to interpret that message, right? The other way we've used it, so interesting use cases, um, when we write video scripts, when we write TV scripts, when we write 
SEO content. We write article content. I wrote an entire article for, I think it was Becker's or some, some other uh, entity that the whole purpose of my article was to essentially say, you know, I wrote a paragraph of substance, then I told ChatGPT to expand on it. And by the way, this thing was written by ChatGPT. <laughs> I think some of the other things you can do is, right, you can, you can tell it how to think, right? I want you to use mm-hmm. the brain of Einstein, the creative mind of Steve Jobs, and the audacity of Elon Musk and rewrite this in that sentiment, right? And that is powerful, right? It's a you can have it think about things in a different way. You can portray things in a different way. So it helps with strategy for me. It helps with me kind of creating whatever kind of clear message I'm trying to articulate. But I really am using it right now purely for content development and message creation. I haven't been able to evolve it. I would use it for everything if it was HIPAA compliant. There's a lot of use cases if it was HIPAA compliant that um, would be incredibly efficacious for us that we just haven't dove into yet. I open up my email, my calendar, and I open up ChatGPT every day. And it's and for 100%. emails and content, I mean, it's like it's benefited me so much. I mean, we're using it for a lot of our outbound stuff. And I mean, the messaging is just, uh, I mean, we would pay copywriters lots of money for that, right? And so it is right. interesting to talk to a lot of really like, you know, top tier, you know, CMOs that are like, oh, it's interesting and our team's kind of using it, but like they're not diving into it themselves. Right. And that blows my mind. I totally agree. It's it's one of the most incredible tools I've ever used. It doesn't replace anything at the moment, right? But it nope. is an incredible nope. augmentation tool. And I think that that's the misconception, right? So many of this, so much of this is called AI. Is any of it really AI? Maybe. It's really augmentation, right? It's augmented not reality, but it's augmented tool sets that help you to perform things in a, and do things and communicate things in a way that, um, you know, I'm using it to scrub emails and to, there's so many different use cases, but there, I probably, if I were to pull up ChatGPT right now, I probably would say I've used it 15 times, you know, in the first five hours of the day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I love it. Super interesting. Well, take, take us home with, you know, what, what are you excited about? Look, the next six to 12 months, like you personally, what are you excited about? And then what are you excited about for Sage Dental? I think Sage is, you know, we hit our hundredth practice about a week ago, right? That is Congrats. a heck of a milestone, heck right? Yeah, heck and yeah. that is a testament to the providers and the doctors that we have, the hygienists, the dental assistants, the office managers, the regional team. That is a really hard thing to do the locations we pick, the practices we've acquired, the teams that have become part of our own. Um, I'm excited to hit 200. I'm excited to hit 300, right? I'm excited to go beyond because I really do see a difference in kind of the the way that patients engage with Sage versus where I've seen it before, where it's very commodity before. And and it still is you know, not commodity, but it's a, it's a, a necessary um, healthcare expense. But it's we're making it far better for the patient and far less fearful. And that's kind of always been the goal. What I'm excited for is experimentation. I mean, there is so much, I mean, we are, you know, dental is 15 to 18 years behind the leaders. Maybe Sage is 10 to 12 years behind the leaders. I think probably less than that, probably five to eight. I'm excited to see, you know, when you get to a certain size and scale, some of the new 
tools and tricks and efficiencies and technologies that we can bring together to make the business function even more efficiently and more effectively. It's I'm just excited for what we can do and what we can experiment with. I mean, just in the last couple of years, the amount of dental technologies and tools we've been able to play with, it's awesome. I, I love that. And I think, you know, you nailed on a superpower that I've that I've that I've picked up along the way talking to a lot of CMOs, and that is this this real this real flex called curiosity, right? Yeah. And 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 I I've spoken to just some epic CMOs, and the ones that say that they are so curious, and that they don't talk about the strategy and and the and the leadership and the hiring, they talk about how curious they are, and you look at where that gets these some of these people. So I'm excited, John, for you. This has been a marvelous conversation, man. Thanks for making time. Of course. Um, huge shout out to you and the whole. Whole leadership team, man. I think that's worth another another look into. I just Without love the doubt. way you got with you guys are just collabing. So thanks for being here. We appreciate you and best of luck to you and the whole squad at Sage. Thank you very much, Jeremy. I appreciate it.